dear ones. You're listening to the What God Is Not podcast with Father Michael O'Loughlin and Mother Natalia. Hey friends, this is Mother Natalia. Today is Father Michael's episode. I wish I had some good notes for you today, but basically we're both a hot mess and I don't really know what we're doing. But we talked a lot about shame and the difference between shame and guilt and uh, what it means to cover our neighbor's nakedness, cover our friend's nakedness, um, and how to love well as Christians in doing that. Um, after talking, of course, about how Jesus does this for us, how he covers our nakedness and um, and helps us to to be in greater conformity to who we were created to be. Uh, our banter I didn't pay attention to, but I think it was about five and a half minutes long, so you can skip that far ahead if you are a hashtag banter hater. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory to him forever. Hello, Mother. Hello, Father. I feel like we already talked about a bunch of things before we hit record that could have been good banter. Oh, you mean like the fact that as we were sitting talking after five minutes, I realized that my veil was sitting <laughs> in my coffee mug, absorbing the coffee the entire time we were talking. Things Did like you that. Like feel it on your ears. Did it get that high? <laughs> <laughs> it didn't. It didn't get quite that high. Okay. No. But uh, I just like looked down at some point. I don't remember why. I felt like my veil was doing something weird, and I just picked it up and realized it was soaked. With coffee. Honestly, I'm kind of jealous. I have not had coffee in three days and I don't even feel like coffee. I'm sick. Wow. And I know it's like if people want to go off coffee, they, you know, how hard it is. <clears throat> I've always just thought, you know what? Just wait till after you get sick. Mm. Most people don't drink coffee when they're sick. I don't drink coffee when I'm sick. I don't even feel like it. Um, and especially, th- thank God, I had coverage yesterday for my parish. So I was able to, to sleep. Um, and if I get enough sleep, then I don't need it. While I'm sick, and then I come out of it, and I'm like, okay, I can just keep off it now. But do you remember a couple of years ago when I gave up coffee for a month? Oh yes, I remember. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, well, I think that that was the last time I went a day without coffee. Yeah, I get it. I always that- drink coffee even when I'm sick. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I do not feel like coffee at all right now. I don't feel like anything that I normally like. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm probably losing weight. People are gonna be like, "Oh, Father, you look so thin." It was because of the fast. I'm like, "No, I'm not holy that holy. It's because I got sick. <laughs> that's why I look thin." Uh, so that's good banter. The other thing was that during <laughs> during your prayer, <laughs> during yes. your prayer, um, it was really funny the way that you said it. I don't know if you think that I'm sick. I don't know. Whatever. Anyways, um, you said. You asked the Lord f- to help you get over this sickness and Mother Natalia. <laughs> <laughs> and I think you meant like that I also get over sickness, but I'm not sick. And so it kind of came across as just, I need to get over her, <laughs> uh, um, which is fair. Definitely. I'm like trouble. but No, you were sniffing a bit. Are you not sick at all? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, thank God for that. Maybe more so, God I'm literally, answered your prayer so quickly that I'm literally thinking. Uh, yeah, right. I literally think I'm thinking that I'm going to need to like shut my mic off while you're talking, just because I'm sniffing so much. That's fine. And then to blow my nose and stuff. Have you ever had Trader Joe's Kleenex? I do have. No, I do still have a leftover cough every once in a while from when I was sick, like a few weeks ago. The cough just. Yeah, I mean, like I'll cough once or twice every hour, but. Trader Joe's tissue has like little. You weren't listening to anything I just said. You just were looking you at your said tissue that box. You, you said that you were kind of <laughs> sick in the past and you were kind of coughing. So you maybe. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's. Yeah. Fine. This is what ADD does, lets you do two things at once. Um, they have these little quotes, like these old timey photos, and then they have little things. I'm here when you're sick. I'm, I'm there when you run out of toilet paper. I'm there when you're sad. And it shows this little girl screaming. I'm there. We need you to pick up icky things. It's so funny. Like we're personalizing our tissue now because we're so lonely. Oh, <laughs> it's like real we're, we're we're so lonely. It's like oh, at least my tissue box loves me. My the tissue halls? box is there for me. 
The Hall's Cough Drops. Yeah. They have little sayings all over the little wrappers. Okay. And and maybe I am sick. I can't talk. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I used to really like them. And then I was like, these things are just completely feeding into my self-reliance and my misconceptions that my worth is in what I can produce. And um, it's just like they're all like get stuff done and do your checklist and it doesn't matter that you're sick and they're just encouraging you to just keep working hard even though you're in. I'm like, this isn't helping me actually. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all. That's the story. Yeah, I got I got a lovely text message this morning from Father Steve Washko, who's our our uh, assistant chalice for our area. So if I ever if something weird happens in the parish, I always text him. So yesterday, Father Adrian covered for me because I was sick. So I just texted him and said, you know, Father, I'm you know, I'm I'm dead of the world today, and Father Adrian's going to cover the liturgy for me, just giving you a heads up. And he writes this morning. He's like, take it easy, get your rest. You know, cut back on your schedule. It was just like it was so incredibly affirming <laughs> of like just make sure you get your rest. Which I today I kind of have a, a a little break in the middle of the day, so I'll I'll uh, I'll take it then. But he's um, a sweetheart. Yeah, he is. It was great, great, great for a leader to say that. Yeah, because he knows it'll also heal me more quickly. Yep. All right. So um, when I was sick and dead of the world, I was laying in bed and I had on a TV show. And I was like so sick, I didn't even want to watch TV. Um, it was like something on Amazon or something like that. And so I, I switched over to YouTube. I was like, well, I'll on YouTube. YouTube knows the algorithm knows me, so it, it's going to pop up some sort of music or something like that I can listen to. Um, and so I pop up YouTube, and the algorithm also knows I like listening to the theological speakers. So it, the first thing that pops up is a talk by Father Stephen Freeman. Um, who's a wonderful Orthodox priest. He wrote um, Everywhere Present, a book I've talked about quite a bit. Um, I love his blogs. I put one of his blogs up. It's called uh, Glory to God for All Things. Um, I put up his blog almost every single week in my parish email. Anyway, he had a uh, he had like a half an hour talk on there on shame. And so I uh, I looked it up and actually I should I should reference this. I'll I'll see if I can dig it up and put it in the notes. Um, I think it's Anyway, I'm not going to say it because I'll get it wrong. Um, but anyway, he had this talk on shame, and it was uh, it was great. I thought of Sister Nufria because she did her uh, her her episode on naked saints, mm-hmm. and and he started off by saying, and this is something I think is is a bit of a stretch, um, but I I can see how it, you can get it because of a bunch of other things that are not a stretch theologically, but he says that when. Um, that Jesus probably physically stood between the woman who was uh, caught in adultery and the men who wanted to stone her. And and I, I'd have to reread it again. I didn't read it, but he says he says that she pretty much Jesus covered her, and he says that this was necessary because if the woman was caught in the act of adultery, she was probably in some state of undress. And so he he's a little more a uh, little more visceral about it than I am, but he's in some state of undress. And so Jesus is like by by him just standing there, if she's on the ground, and and so he's like he they dragged her outside in the in the town square in the alley whatever, and Jesus is standing between them and her, kind of covering her nakedness, in other words, mm. with, with his with his presence and talking to the men. Um, and this made me this made me think because I do see, especially with my spiritual daughters, but even with my spiritual sons, most of us see Jesus as some sort of he has one main role in our life, and I, I don't think we want to stick to this because I think it can change. But in other words, one of my spiritual daughters very beautifully says that Jesus is a provider, and that's what she sees him as. He he provides me with what I need. Hmm. Another spiritual daughter of mine says that Jesus is a protector and he protects me. I think these are a lot of these have to do with the way we grew up and what we may be lacking. You know, if if we if we ever felt unprovided for by something in our life, uh, we probably see Jesus as feeling that lack. Um, if we ever felt in danger, you know, unsafe, then we we see Jesus feeling that lack. Um, so I, I thought, well, this is this woman who is caught in adultery. She, you know, Jesus is a he in a sense. I don't even know the word to use, but he 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 is one who provides uh, shelter or cover in the nakedness, a a 
a a mother bird's wing when when someone is feeling vulnerable um a a protection from shame the whole talk was on shame of course a protection from shame by being covered and then he, of course he goes into the uh the adam and eve because that's where shame comes from and he very beautifully explains that adam and eve were naked without shame as we hear and then when they sinned um, then they had shame and they went and hid themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and shame, and as I've said before, many ways, shame with their own bodies, shame with each other, shame with creation, shame with their children, shame with God. There was this, there was this uh, sense of, of vulnerability and shame. Um, and I want to pause for a moment here and say something else he said that is, is a bit, I'm still trying to process this, and I know this can be a bit controversial, because we've always said that there's a difference between guilt and shame. Guilt is just what I do wrong, and my guilt needs to be observed, pointed out by my those who love me and care for me, so that I can actually get better. Because uh, I am guilty of doing things, and so a guilt reflects upon what I do, and I can always change what I do. Shame, we normally say, reflects upon who I am. Um, and so when, when people try to shame us or we try to shame ourselves, it's a much deeper wound because it, it, it's not only something I do that I can change, but it's much harder to change myself or if it goes too deeply, something I can never change. The devil loves bringing shame. So now, um, this is pro- we probably need to be very careful with the terms we use, but Father Stephen does say that, I forget one of the fathers or one of the, one of the saints, says that what humility is, true humility, is the ability to bear a little bit of shame. Hmm. And, and, and the, in other words, shame, I think, in this context is our vulnerability being, being made known to the public. Um, so in other words, my, my shame is when I'm guilty and that guilt is made public. So it's, it's before not only, you know, my confessor, my spiritual director, but to a wider community. That's what shame is. Someone is shamed publicly. Yeah. I also, I wonder if it's related to one of the, um, one of the, I've, I've shared this before on the podcast, but one of my favorite books or one of the books that's been the most helpful to me has been How to Profit from Your Faults by Joseph Tissot. And in it, it's it's mostly the he's reflecting on the spirituality of St. Francis de Sales. And I don't remember if this particular thing was like St. Francis de Sales or if it was Tissot's reflection on St. Francis de Sales. But regardless, he says he says one of the greatest gifts we can have is to be falsely accused of or falsely thought to have sinned because then we get all of the the benefits that come from our sin all of the things all of the ways that the lord uses our sin for good because he uses all for good um so like the humility that comes after we sin and the the desire for for holiness and so on and so forth like the repentance um without any of the negative consequences of actually having sinned uh which like I'm not there, right? But I I do wonder if if that's part of what, um, part of what this is is like, if we have the humility to bear a little shame in this sense of, um, even, yeah, even to like bear false accusation or something, you yeah. know. So because that's what Christ did. That's what happened to mm-hmm. him. Of course, he mm-hmm. was shamed without sin, and I and I and actually that that may be the key to this. If you don't mind, keep that in mind because that may be the mm-hmm. key to somewhere I was going to go at the very end, but I didn't know quite where to go with it, and that may be it. Well, let me write, I me write that down too. Um, shame without sin. Sorry, I'm writing this down. Okay, um, so uh, so again, one of these saints says that, in other words. Uh, humility is is being able to do exactly what you just said, Mother. And and even if we did, if if we did sin, humil- <clears throat> true humility means that we can we can continue to thrive or receive the grace from a vulnerability that has been made public. Um, especially, I, I think I think it's a it's even harder. And well, I don't know. I don't know the different kinds of, of of struggle, whether whether we actually sinned or not. Um, mm-hmm. Because my I find it much harder personally to deal with my my sins becoming public if I actually did them. You know, <laughs> I, I think I think I could personally I could bear bear better with if I didn't do something and it was accused of it. Um, but I just my, when my shame is made public and and it comes out and someone identifies it, um, that's when I'm like, oh, you know, there we are. You know that that mm-hmm. that that hurts. Um, but but I, I think if I was more humble, 
And I know if I was more humble, because I can imagine what that looks like, um, that actually wouldn't hurt as much. Um, so mm-hmm. hopefully, what I can imagine is the case. Um, our Lord will make a reality one day. But so he, Father Stephen Freeman goes on to say that um, Adam and Eve, when they, and I thought this was a, a brilliant insight, when Adam and Eve um, are caught by God, when he finds them, um, they, Jesus takes it from shame, namely who they are to what they did. Hmm. So, mm-hmm. so Jesus says, um, when they, when they identify themselves as, as being naked, Jesus, instead of saying you are naked, he says to them, who told you you are naked? What did you do? In other hmm. words, um, Jesus, Jesus points it That's to amazing. guilt when they yeah. were, when they were shamed, Jesus points it back to guilt. You did something. Mm-hmm. It's not who you are. It's not the fact that you are naked. And again, keep that in mind. I think that'll be a solution at the end here, but, but it's actually what you did to, to think that you are naked. What, what, what you did to, that bring on the shame. You and I have talked many times about the fact that sometimes the shame that we have after sin is a worse sin than the sin itself. Then mm-hmm. the devil loves doing that. He, the, the fact that we, neglect ourselves or neglect our family or lose faith in God, um, whatever it can do because of the shame of all of these things, that, that can be even worse. There's there's also something there is um, <clears throat> that's really a place for great hope because if it's about who we are, then like we can't change that, right? But if it's, if, if the focus is, um, what we've done, like if that's the place of shame is what we've done and not who we are, then um, then we can work on the doing, but we can't change who we are. Does that make, yeah, I'm not being very absolutely. articulate, but do you understand what I'm no, saying? No, no, okay. I, yeah, absolutely. I, I think I think that's that's exactly the key here and that the devil knows that and God knows that. And so there's mm-hmm. a, there there's a, uh, the devil really wants us to have despair, and mm-hmm. and so he sees how shame brings despair. Despair can be defined as as having no hope. So in other words, I think I've said before, I had I had a moment of of feeling of despair when I had my first herniated disc, and I was just like, oh, I'm young. This is just going to go away. And my dad was like, no, herniated discs don't just go away. And I had this mm-hmm. kind of uninformed realization that I may be in this much pain the rest of my life, mm-hmm. you know, and that there is no hope for it to go away until <laughs> heaven, like. That was that was I, I sat there at the kitchen table <laughs> around my family and I just sat there and my heart just sank and I was like and then I was my dad's like, Well, you have a surgery and I was like, Okay, you know, at, at least there's some sort of hope and our Lord healed it other ways. But but yeah, so I, I think that's exactly it. The we need to have hope of and this is I think John Paul II's brilliance in Theology of the Body, when he in a sense redefines or or supersedes the physical definition of, of virginity. So, mm-hmm. you know, people, you, you, you know, I don't, I've never read this part. I've just heard it from so many people. Um, but you can, in a sense, get your spiritual virginity back. You know, you, you mm-hmm. can have the purity that you had. You can't get the physical virginity back, but if we have our spiritual virginity, that really doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter mm-hmm. nearly as much. It matters, but it doesn't matter nearly as much as, as our spiritual virginity. In other words, our ability to, to, um, be pure and undefiled and, in, in that sense that we, that we we call the mother of God. So so yes. So um, and then he goes on to say that that and then God provided them. So God to Adam and Eve pointed out the what they did rather than who they are. And then he um, and then he provided them animal skins. So mm-hmm. he he covered them up again. He is he is. This is what some people may see Jesus. Gee, I'm, I'm, I got to think of a better word. But he covers the vulnerability. He he protects or provides or or um, I don't know. There's, there's a word shields. Maybe I'm trying to think of a way that 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 people can say this is who Jesus is to me. If this is who they see, even even you know that's not the main thing he does in their life, but it's something. So um, you know he 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 covers their nakedness in a sense. And now you can see where I'm going with this. But but God does that with with. Um, Adam and Eve, he covers our nakedness. And then, of course, we have these instances um, like in the Old Testament when Noah's sons, one of his sons, um, Ham, exposes his nakedness when he gets drunk in the tent and he passes out naked. That He exposes his nakedness by going, by who, who you know, there's all kinds of interpretation. We've talked about this before, but by also by sharing the fact that his father passed out drunk and naked with his brothers. That's in a sense exposing the nakedness. Um, 
while at the same time the two older the two other brothers they cover his nakedness and they and they get rewarded for this mm-hmm. um, in a sense they they do what God does God covers Adam and Eve's nakedness in the story that Father Stephen Freeman said earlier Jesus covers the uh, the woman cut in adultery's nakedness there's something about that covering rather than exposing um, and so I, I as I've said before I think that that is that is our job as Christians to figure out some way of of helping to cover others nakedness in other words when someone is vulnerable whether it's through sin or whatever it means you know we we cover them you know this is you see this in 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 videos that's been a long time but i mean i remember i think it was before youtube you see, you see videos of of um you know somebody some poor woman having something happens wardrobe malfunction or something like that you know and 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 somebody will cover them up you know and it, it's a chivalrous thing for to do to cover up someone if they're, if they're physically naked um but 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 there's also something deeper about um somebody who sins and their shame is exposed or it's not exposed yet and if we can keep it from being exposed but again sometimes god uses that like the fathers say, sometimes true humility is being okay with that. So if we get to the point where that's okay, I think it's still our place to try to cover another person's vulnerability in in this case. But it's also the place where if it does get exposed, the person who's exposed or the person who loves someone who's exposed can help in that uh, growth in humility. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I'm sure I'm sure you're getting to this because um, you always are the one to make the pastoral notes. But like the nuance here is. You're there are many nuances, I'm sure, but like you're not implying at all that we should like hide people's sin in the sense of like not helping them to repent, not helping them to move forward, right? We're not talking like to just be very clear here, we're not saying that like when there's some sort of like scandal in the church or something like that, that we should um, not tell people about it and just like move the priest around or whatever. Yeah. Like that's not what you're getting at. That is getting a very, very important point. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you for that nuance. <laughs> I, I wasn't going to go that deep. I didn't even think about like clergy sex abuse. Um, yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. That, that, that needs to, that needs to be brought into the open of course in, in the most, in the most uh, fruitful way um, possible. But, I think, you know, I've, I've never talked about this on the podcast, but, um, and I don't know, I might even anger people. We might lose, lis- lose listeners because of it, but I think it's a really strong witness that we need to give of like, in those cases, the covering, the nakedness, the, um, the shielding, the, the covering, the, um, the shame or whatever is, is the still loving people in the midst of that. Um, Mm -hmm. Like it's the, by separating people from their actions, like by separating out the being and the doing, that is a way of covering the nakedness, right? And by that, I mean like, there is a priest that I, um, that I knew he's, um, He's he's died at this point, but um, Father Michael, you and I had a lot of a lot of conversations um, about him, and and I was not directly involved in any of this, but like it came out that he um, he had done some really horrific things, and um, and I like prayed for this man so much, and I still do. He actually was my um, now that he's died, he was my liturgy intention for this weekend for deceased, um, but. It's like we have to acknowledge that as humans and because God also is like has this um, God is just like we need the justice um, in a very human way, right? Like this man very much um, deserved like criminal punishment for his crimes, Mm -hmm. Um, but also we need to acknowledge that um, you are still in the image. You are still made in the image and likeness of God, and you still have the dignity of a human being. And 
we need to love without condoning and that loving without condoning is a, is a way of covering a nakedness. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I'm like super inarticulate today. I'm really, I don't know what's well, happening. That's okay. I, I, I do, I do see what you're saying and I, and I agree. I, there is, I think I see what you're saying. The, there, I, I, I like that where covering the nakedness and there was doing the right thing is making sure that we, in our heads, there's a separation between shame and guilt in this way. Again, I, it's, it's hard because, I, I I think there may be two different definitions of shame at play mm-hmm. here, um, because shame shame in, in when is when it's purely evil. In other words, when it only points to ourselves and, and says, "Yeah, you are a bad person, and there's no hope of you becoming a good person." That is always evil. Mm-hmm. Um, shame defining it as just our vulnerability and our weakness and our sin becoming made public. That's obviously very different. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are two different two definitions of shame here, but the, the, when when the, when the separating the two out to say whoever has sinned and it's been made public, so it's been a shame in that way. Don't let them bring it to the point where they say this is something about me that will never change, and therefore I have no hope. Which is which is one of the greatest acts of the devil. And mm-hmm. I, I think you're right. I, I like that definition of covering up someone's nakedness in 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 providing that for them. I think the greatest victory it would be if you if you realized that someone you knew was doing something wrong and evil. Um, especially if it was like that, where they've they've hurt somebody in the past, especially a, a child. Like they need to bring this forward. And but I would I would absolutely tell them, yes, go ahead. <laughs> I just had a thought, and yes. it might be totally off. But um, what if covering someone's nakedness is, in this sense, it is. Um, giving them some sort of like garb, some sort of protection from like vulnerability Hmm. to the devil. Yeah. Amen. And so for Adam and Eve, um, because they had this knowledge, God provided them with these animal skins because he knew that like the devil was going to attack them through this Mm. shame of their bodies. Beautiful. And, um, when someone has done something so criminal, uh, for the sake of the victims and also for the sake of the perpetrator, um, they need uh, justice so that they can properly repent. Like that's also a yes. protecting them from vulnerability to the devil. Like the yeah. um, it's it's the helping them to be vulnerable to God, but not to the devil. Yeah, Amen. I like that a lot. Yeah, I think there's something there, and that may even relate to to the next point about like those who were naked in a in a beautiful way. And here's mm-hmm. where we get to another Old Testament uh, character, and that's Joseph. Um, you may have heard it in, in Bridegroom Madness this morning, um, yeah. but at the end of the Apostica, um, I'll just read it. Uh, the serpent thought he found a second Eve in the Egyptian woman. This Egyptian woman was, was Potiphar's wife who tried to make Joseph succumb to her words of flattery, but he avoided sinning. He left his garment behind, but he was not ashamed of his nudity, as were our first parents after their disobedience. Through his mm-hmm. prayers, O Christ, have mercy on us. So in other words, the she obviously, if you know the story, she used that garment to accuse him of something he didn't do. So mm-hmm. so she actually then went to her husband and said, even though she had been doing this for a long time, trying to get him to sleep with her, um, when, when she grabbed him finally and he just ran away and she had his garment in her hand um, and then she used that as evidence to say that he was trying to seduce her. Um, mm-hmm. And so he got thrown in prison. He suffered, you know, for for a while in prison until he ended up, of course, um, interpreting Pharaoh's dream and he got out and he got an even better job. But um, but yes, there there was this th- that nakedness was a nakedness that that was without shame and it was a, it was a victory over sin. Mm-hmm. I think if you interpret the the young man in the garden who ran away without a cloak, um, if you interpret that as Mark, it's the same thing. The the rich young man, you know, that that's the same thing. He it was a victory over sin. Christ's nakedness, of course, mm-hmm. a victory over sin. And and you know, Anufria and the the many naked saints, Mary of Egypt, et cetera, their nakedness is a is a sign of victory over sin. And it, it's in a sense a what you just said, Mother. There's the if Adam and Eve had remained naked, then the devil 
could have continued to shame them. Look, you're naked, look, you're naked, look, you're naked. And so God, even though it wasn't the ideal, nakedness without shame was the ideal, but but he covered them as a as a temporary fix um, so that the devil did could not use that. And I, I honestly think that probably happens all the time where where God, you know, we, we often I'm saying, well, where's the miracles? You know, where is Jesus? It's like we would be in so much more pain if Christ mm-hmm. wasn't covering all the thing, preventing all the things that is due to our sin and that, that is due to other people's sin and all the ragings of the devil in the world. If, if, if Jesus wasn't protecting us from those things, you know, we would be much worse. And I think this is a great example of that. So thank you for that mother, where God said, yes, the ideal is to be sinless and therefore naked without shame. But, but I, but I'm going to give you clothing because you can't quite handle that yet. You know, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying we need to be nudists. You know, not not at all. There, there, <laughs> there's 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 multiple levels here, and 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 I wear clothes, obviously, and 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 the Pope and <laughs> Mother Teresa wore clothes. You know, well, all, all the holiest people. I just, I just that sounds horrible. Not not I. I I have to wear clothes because I'm a sinner. But even the holiest people wear clothes, even though they didn't have to for other people's sin for their own whatever reason. But um, so don't don't say don't read into this what I'm not saying. But um. <laughs> but yes, there are there are saints who, in a moment, I can't of victory, wait to see like what ta- what episode um, title you pick for this. <laughs> <laughs> good call, good call. I'll just I'll just start thinking about that. Um, but the uh, so in other words, the Joseph and Mark and Jesus, um, there were all these these signs of the shamelessness of the human body. And especially in, in all three of those moments, all three were, uh, and with Mary of Egypt, especially like the nakedness was a, was a sacramental sign of their freedom from sin. Mm -hmm. All of them in their repentance um, and Christ repenting for our sins in a sense, um, the nakedness that, that is a victory over Adam's nakedness is, is shown. Yeah. Which is why like, one of the one of the saddest one of the saddest realities that you hear about for me is when someone is shamed by a priest in the confessional yeah um because like this is the place in which you should be able to be like totally vulnerable and without shame and like metaphorically naked before the Lord. Um, And like, this is one of the places that it is most important to cover another's nakedness, right? Like in the context of spiritual direction and confession, these are the times in which it's like, this person might never be this vulnerable with anybody else or ever again. And like, that has to be so reverenced. And so, um, yeah, just just covering, um, protecting um, from from any undue um, attack. Yeah, and I so in that in that in that arena, pray for priests because I think is it maybe even you, mother? There are times when a priest has to be or should be strong in pointing out the guilt. Or, or mm-hmm. the, the immensity of it, and but that 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 is a chasm of a difference between a priest pointing out someone's guilt in confession and then shaming them. You know that yeah. that that you you we should not even come close to shame. But but it, for priests, I can say as a priest, it it is hard sometimes um, when you want to. If someone this is this is why the church <clears throat> at this point, um, you a priest by his ordination cannot forgive the sin of abortion. Like mm-hmm. just because he's ordained a priest, he cannot he 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 needs to receive that from his bishop as as an extra um, ability within confession. The reason for that it's only now that may not be the case forever, but the reason for that is because most of our society does not understand the evil of abortion, the and gravity. so yeah. the gravity of it exactly. <clears throat> so so that's reserved to bishops, um, as are a few other sins. Um, but most bishops nowadays, including mine, have given me that ability. Mm-hmm. You know, so, and I, I think that's the way to go. I think every bishop should give that ability because it is such a prominent sin. Should give that ability to their priests, while at the same time educating their priests on why this is a special ability given because of the gravity. Um, yeah. But there, there are that's an extreme case. But there are there are times when when priests do need to, you know, 
say like like if I for instance if I if I have a man who's in his early twenties who who doesn't even mention any sort of um, sins of impurity at all, it's like you're gonna be I like will, really. Yeah, I, I will oftentimes just say, you know, um, you know, we, when we look at a woman lustfully, you know, and and I just say things like that. And you and really it, had to like pull that out of people. I don't want to think of this explicit circumstances, <laughs> but yeah, I would. Yeah, I, wow, I, I, okay. I, I would. I mean, yeah, you, you'd be, you'd be That's surprised. Just impressive that you. It's, yeah, yeah. Most people do not know how to go to confession. Like most sure. people, most people don't know, and and they they. They struggle with, they struggle with the shame of being there, and so they mm-hmm. only want to say a couple things. Um, I hear quite often, "Well, that's the big ones," you know. And it's like, I, I sometimes I just let it go because I, I, I can, I can see where they are. But sometimes I want to say, like that, that this isn't. You don't, you can't walk out of here with your little sins still there and your big sins mm-hmm. not. Like that's not how this works. Christ mm-hmm. is is all or not. Christ is going to forgive all of your sins. And so I get what they're saying. And sometimes people mean different things by that. Sometimes they mean that that's all the ones I can remember. If I spent more time, I'm sure I'd find other ones. Like, well, yeah, we all would, you know. And in that case, you don't need to, you don't need to be scrupulous and say, well, my gosh, unless I've applied the depths of the past month and confess every single single thing, I'm not ready. That's what they mean, may mean by that. And if I sense that, then I just let it go. But if if I sense that people are just there because. They they did one thing and they did a bunch of other things too that they know, but they're trying to get that one off their conscience. Then then it is important for the priest to say, you know, because people I've heard it many times, and I think this is ninety nine percent the case. But people will say, well, if they're if they're already there, if they're in confession, then then they know they've sinned, you know. But there there's nuance to that because people go to church. And and they're they're all for the wrong reasons. People go to mm-hmm. church because they feel guilt that they don't. And mm-hmm. and we and we need to point that out. We need to look at it ourselves and say, just because someone's in church does not mean that they're there for the right reasons. Just because someone's in confession does not mean they're there for the right reasons. I know because I've done it myself. I have gone to confession only to remove the guilt, and I don't even consider. I don't even consider the harm it's doing to Christ or the church. Mm-hmm. It's just I go there because I want to not feel guilty about this anymore. And now it's no, it's no. There's nothing wrong with that. We should do that anyway. And because even if that's what gets us to, to confession, as long as we're sincere in confession, that's okay. But but I, I think that um, one of the issues with the lukewarmness of many Christians today is that we we allow people to be lukewarm. You know, we we who are leaders in the church, we're not doing a very good job of of saying it, whether it's in homilies or in spiritual direction or in confession or in our our teachings. We don't do a good job of saying, you know, are you always struggling? Kind of a weird example of this was um, the uh, somebody tweeted a very well known uh, online personality who's frustrating to me a lot. Tweet after the. Uh, after that girl shot up the shot up the school, you know, and mm-hmm. of course it, it's everybody's hurting. We don't quite know what to say. Everybody's having different reactions, and there's a million different things. Well, someone just implied, showed a picture of her, you know, at the school from the security camera, and just said, pretty much was making a point. Yes, I believe in hell, and I believe that evil people go there. And and I, I think in their mind they were saying. I know that many of those who read social media don't believe in hell. And I was so his point was I believe in hell. But he obviously by showing her picture there, he was saying and implying at least people could read into it that he believes she's in hell. Um and I just thought no We don't know her psychological state. Right. We don't no, know no, it, exactly. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and and on on top of all of that, on top of all of that, none of the fathers or none of the great saints of the church would ever say this person's in hell and imply that they're not, you know, mm-hmm. I, like in other words, every single, especially with the desert fathers would, would all say, you know, except for the grace of God, there go I, all the desert mm-hmm. fathers would say, you know, the tax collectors and prostitutes enter heaven before me, you know, mm-hmm. there, there, there has to be a great humility. And, and if, if she's in hell, then I'm probably going as well. I mean, that, that's, that's what the, I think the, the, the proper, Response is so. I think that the, instead of saying, "Yes, we can say there's a hell," you know, you know, I think that's that's pretty objectively church teaching. But but there is a who when when if anybody's going to go there, it's going to be me. I think it is the proper response because that allows for me to actually be repentant and to not try to judge, like you said, what about people's psychological realities and, and things like that. Yeah, um, I think <clears throat> the. 
the thing about confession or or direction, right? Like I'm speaking to myself as well as spiritual mother or or just any of your friendships in which like someone's coming to you vulnerably and they're admitting something that they are ashamed of. Um, in those moments, it is of vital importance to, um, yes, we need to convict and call on to greater, but we need to simultaneously affirm the goodness of a person, um, like the goodness of their being, you know, like, wow, this action is just not who you are. Like you, you were not acting in conformity with who you were created to be. And, and that is devastating and praise God that you've realized that and that you don't want to do this. Um, and, and, you know, just like, um, maybe not in those words, but I, I just, we need to, um, yeah, to just like, anytime we renounce a lie, we need to be also affirming the truth um, and, and doing those two things together. Um, and this is why it's so important. And this is in this world of social media and podcasts and things like this, not everybody is ready to hear that. Like mm-hmm. we're, we're all in process. So some people, I really do think, um, because of the place they are in their pilgrimage to holiness, um, you, you have to be very, very careful pointing out any sin whatsoever mm-hmm. because it, it's not it's not that they don't sin, but they, in a sense, they can't handle the truth right at that moment. Mm-hmm. And that, that's not like to to shame anybody, of course, uh, the theme of this podcast. But there, there, there's times, and this is the importance of having a parish community and and a good friends and a good priest, ideally spiritual director, and and good people around you as mentors mm-hmm. that that can say that can speak into our lives in the context of what we can take at that time. Um, you know, I, I see it on social media and people have a lot of followers and they'll say something, they'll say it authoritatively. And I just, this just happened the other day and I'll go like, why are we spending so much energy trying to contradict this guy or trying mm. to like point out this guy's mistakes? When, if you look at his history of tweets, like, He's a very broken guy. Like I don't, mm, I don't. Mm-hmm. He's speaking out of a place of great brokenness, and he's pretty vocal about that. So mm-hmm. I, th- I think the tactful thing to do, and the mature thing to do, is to say, I don't need to quote tweet this guy and correct it. Now I do think he needs to be corrected because it's a public forum and many people are listening to him. But but there there anyway. There's a nuance there because some people are just they they speak on something because they're speaking out of their hurt out of an immense hurt not out of some objective truth here but and I, I think everybody though them and all of us need to be very careful that when we do speak we speak out of the nuance of saying this is not universal teaching that's just so hard for us to do that mm-hmm. everybody needs to be this way this person just you know spoke spoke about something that that happens in church that that annoys him and i'm like mm-hmm. It annoys you because you're as broken as you say you are, right? It, it's like I mean, you say you're broken. So he very beautifully says he's broken, but 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 anybody else reading this is going to think, well, should I get mad at my priest for doing that? No, you know, mm-hmm. no. This this annoys him because he's broken. It, it you it may not broken in this way. We're all broken, but it it may not it may not annoy you or be debilitating for you as it is for him. And priests need to know that when they're getting. Priest, any leader, no, any good leader knows this: is that when you're getting cr- criticized from all sides and you can't please everybody, you mm-hmm. need you need to say, how do what do I say from an objective point of view? What do I say from a, a more subjective point of view? I'm talking to these individuals. Yeah. Um, the the scene that the thing that keeps coming to my mind. Um, sorry, I feel like I hijacked your episode. I didn't mean to. Uh, I guarantee, if we if we time, oh, I said by the subject. Oh, it's this is yeah. how podcast works, mother. Okay, that's fine. You just run um, with it. <laughs> do you remember in Chronicles of Narnia, um, Eustace? Is that his name? Yeah. The boy who's like a little the brat. unfortunate name. Yeah, um, it's Eustace, right? Yeah, I think so. I'm going to look up okay. the first because the first words of that of that book are are about his name. It's uh-huh. pretty funny. Go ahead. Um, so. In that book, spoiler alert, so if you haven't yet read Chronicles of Narnia or um, and you don't want to spoiler, then skip ahead a couple minutes. But um, there's that like really amazing scene where, because um, he's been turned into a dragon um, 
and he's basically just a nasty little boy. And do you know what I'm talking about, Father Michael? Yes, I do. Um, and and then there's this like really beautiful scene where, in order to like, I don't remember why. Maybe it's like to escape from his chains or to whatever it is. He has to like claw off using his dragon hands. He has to claw off his mm. own skin, basically, yeah. like all the yeah. scales. Um, and it's just extremely painful and excruciating. And as you're reading it, it just like sounds horrible. Um, and then once he gets, I think Aslan is the one who tells him he needs to do this. Or, oh, that's what it is. I think Aslan's the one who um, claws it all off. Mm. Um, and Aslan is the Christ figure in the book. And yeah, so, um, and it's just like, that's just such a beautiful scene. And this image of like, it's a it's a holy nakedness, a a complete vulnerability before the Lord. And mm-hmm. like I think by covering the nakedness of shielding from attacks of the devil, um, those around us, we're helping them to be properly naked before the Lord and vulnerable with him. Um yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. The quote I was looking for, I think it's the very beginning of the voyage on Treader, and it just says, There was a boy called Eustace Clarence Scrub, and he almost deserved it. <laughs> that's like the very first line. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that's, that's and that that's the brilliance of 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 um, C.S. Lewis and and the, the everything is that there's there's such we all know what that looks like. We all know what it looks like when we've become so addicted or just covered in in certain sins, ways of thinking that we know need to be purged. Like mm-hmm. I I I know this. I I know there are certain things about me. Um, I, I had a, just to give one example, I had it the other day where I, I, I watch a video or I think of a situation where something unjust is happening. And like, if I caught someone, if I caught someone doing something as stupid as like, like robbing a 7 Eleven, if like I saw someone robbing a 7 Eleven and I was, had an opportunity to tackle them. Right, I would be worried about how vi- I would be worried about how violent I would get. Like I would, which is I w- so interesting to me. You were sharing this I with know. me, and like you're just yeah. not a violent person. I'm not, but every once in a while, like <laughs> it just like it comes it's out boiling of me. up inside of you. Now I do think that that would be good if like if someone kidnapped a kid. Like mm-hmm. and they were running with them, like like then then like yeah, let the rage flow, you know, like you know there, there's a there's a with, I mean within, not like murderous, but yeah. Well, well, what 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 if I had to protect? What if I had to protect? What if it was the kids' life or theirs? Okay, this is not the episode that we're doing this on. <laughs> um, so, in other words, but but I, I'm not I'm not I'm not going there. You, you or any this. episode, actually, we're this. never going there. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the ideally, of course, no, you would never take a life. Ideally, um, but 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 there's a but like if if I it, that like th- whatever that is triggered in me when I think of something that's not really unjust, not that unjust. It is unjust, but it's not that unjust. It doesn't deserve that reaction because there are things that deserve that reaction, um, and that's not one of them. So I so I it, it's it's the maturity and the wisdom of, of orienting that correctly. Whereas if I see someone robbing a the you know a, a bank vault or whatever, I'm I'm gonna. I'm going to do much more than I should because that's just money, and the bank will get over it, or the Seven Eleven will fix it, you know, figure it out. Um, but yeah, that that that's one thing where I go, I I I I cannot get into heaven this way. Like I need that purged. I need that. I need that purged um, because that that is just so un, not of God. Where I would put money or whatever they're stealing over the health and well being of the individual that I'm hurting, you know. And I, mm-hmm. I I've lost track of of that being an individual. Now again, being caught is a good thing, and but I, I'm afraid I would do a little more than catching them. This is probably I would not why I would not be a good police officer. Um, uh, may I give? Because I know that we're we're wrapping up. Um, can I just give a couple practical yes, tips please. on this covering your neighbor's nakedness? And yes, your, absolutely. Um, Thank you. Because I think that a way that this is something I've been focusing on in myself the past year or two, um, and I'm not doing a great job, but I think I'm growing in it. Um, something that I think is very, very common is when we tell um, when we tell stories about someone who's not around uh, that we know, like when we're pointing out other people's faults when they're not around. Um, and we know basically that they would be embarrassed that we're sharing this with someone, mm. right? And and there's a difference between like 
I'm sharing this because we need to do something about it or some sort of like fruitful resolution that we're trying to come to. But when it's just to get a laugh um, and we're laughing at someone, um, it's like at best it's neutral, right? And um, it's not a good, it's just neutral at best. And, and we're risking it being even less than neutral and being harmful. And so, um, so not telling and, and doing this in front of them too, right? Like there are, um, and again, there's like the nuance, right. Of like father Michael, you know me very well. And we tell embarrassing stories about each other in front of other people, but also like, you know, the things that I'm sensitive to, you know, the things that it's like where I can also laugh at myself and, and that's a different situation. You wouldn't mind. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and and so that's totally a different situation. But if you know that, like, if this person were here, they they'd be really um, hurt that I'm telling this story. Then just maybe don't tell the story. Um, and similarly, when um, like when other people tell the story, sometimes it's really honestly convicting enough to simply not laugh. And I've I've found this to be the case. And I know I've talked about this on the podcast before because I had this realization where. Like I told a joke or said a story or something like that. And one of the other nuns just like, they didn't say anything to me, but they just didn't laugh. And I immediately, it like pinched. And I was like, I should not have said that. And I apologized later, um, probably to the whole community for like telling the story. But um, yeah, like we don't have to just like be super self-righteous and call everyone out on the things, but like sometimes that's just convicting enough. Um, and I think that's a really simple thing that we can all be working on because it's, it's a daily occurrence in all of our lives pretty much. Um, so. Amen. 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 Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the, the, the amount of times that we do those things without even thinking are, are pretty scandalous. Um, mm-hmm. So thank you. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, I have a prayer intention ready to go, but let me do the spiel first. Will you think Great. of yours? Okay. All right. Um, thank you for listening, y'all. Please do. Um, sorry, I'm still sick. My brain. I'm trying to think of the uh, the comment and recommend on Apple. <laughs> Uh, Apple Podcasts, um, please do that. I, those are the those like the one things I read, as I mentioned, and, and then they're not that frequent, so that's why I can do it. But um, Apple Podcasts, little little recommendations and the comments on there are great. Um, we're also on Instagram. We are on Facebook. I'm on Twitter at Potter Michael O. Uh, please do share on all those social media feeds. Um, it does allow um, us to get the word out about what we're doing here, and um, I'm sure mothers the same. We talked about this when we go to a parish and here people in that parish um, that have heard about our podcast, it's always a good thing. Um, and we also appreciate the feedback to make sure we're always doing this correctly in a way that's actually helpful. Uh, we have a Goodreads page. We have a Patreon page. If you want to support us, any support that you have goes to our nonprofit called Fotina. We have a website for Fotina called Fotina, P-H-O-T-I-N-A dot org. Um, we have a, uh, the Patreon is just for what God is not. Look up Patreon, what God is not. Um, and then our our uh, our Fotina does go to um, the poor. It goes to the church. It goes to our evangelization primarily. It goes to other people who are doing very similar uh, missions as we are, especially in evangelization um, in the, within the church, the wider church, and the Byzantine Catholic Church. And uh, we are on YouTube, audio only. And I think that's everything. So thank you all. Um, two two quick Fotina things. Uh, mm-hmm. I was able through Fotina to. Um, recently get some groceries for uh, a woman who works at um who works locally and I know she works really hard to provide for her for her kids and she's a single mother and we were able to get her some groceries which was great and then I also uh sent flowers to a woman who I know is just um really struggling um and feeling really alone right now and so I'm grateful for that but the other thing is that 
when I talk about Fotina on the podcast, I usually tell people that it's um, to help them spell it for the website. I say it's P-H-O-Tina. And yes. we recently got a donation. <laughs> Someone mailed it to the monastery and they put lowercase P-H-O and then all caps T-I-N-A. <laughs> and I know that that's what they were doing. And shout that's out funny. to you because that's wonderful. And it just Amen. delighted me. And I was like, I know Father Michael thinks that it's whatever, but I'm going <laughs> to tell him because other people think I am so cool. Uh, yes, I, I think you're cool-ish. Um, the, uh, <laughs> um, also, we do have, thank you for all of those who give to Vodina as well. We do have some people... Um, we do have some people that have had to back out recently because of financial situations in their family. This always happens. Um, so mm-hmm. the uh, and some will come back and some won't be able to come back depending on their financial situation. So any new donors we could get, they could help us cover um, for those who just can't um, would be very very helpful. We appreciate that. Mm-hmm. All right, my prayer intention is for my father. Um, this will come out whatever three weeks from now. But he just he he has had some issues, some unknown uh, complications in his health. Uh, recently, and um, I, my family thread is amazing. Whenever my dad is sick or in the hospital, he spent the night in the hospital last night in the emergency room. Um, whenever he does that, the the family feed just over get, becomes overwhelmed with pictures of the grandkids, um, and because he has his cell phone there, so it's it's uh, it's great. But just play for my dad, Bob O'Loughlin, if you would, um, as his uh, his health issues. Um, he like I've mentioned before, he has Agent Orange from Vietnam, and it's just it continues to affect him in in various ways um, as he gets older. So, and then pray, of course, for peace for my my mom and the rest of my family too. Thanks. I know this is a very serious moment, but when you said Bob O'Loughlin, you said it mm-hmm. all really fast, um, as you say most things. And I heard <laughs> it in my head as Bobo, and I might start thinking of <laughs> your dad Bobo. as Bobo after all these years. Uh, that's great. So um, I will ask for prayers for um, Rachel Sweeney uh, because. Um, she has a baby that is out of the womb and, um, her baby's gorgeous. I don't know if she would want us to like say the name, so we'll just leave that as it is, but pray for, um, Rachel and her new baby. Rachel is, uh, she helps out a lot with Fotina, um, all volunteer work and she's just so amazing. Like I've, I've said before to um, some people that like everyone needs a Rachel in their lives because <laughs> Rachel Sweeney is just great. And her last name's not even Sweeney. I'm saying that Schmidt. Is it Schmidt? I should not have asked you that on air because you don't remember. I'm really sorry. Rachel, we're the worst and you're the best. <laughs> and But there's no shame because there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Anyways, Rachel's amazing. And I still think of her as Rachel Sweeney. I'm really embarrassed. It's totally Schmidt. It's totally Schmidt. Um, Anyways, she's. I, I think I think my great. mic closed out for a moment there. Sorry, I missed like the past thirty seconds. What you said. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> that's fine. So Michael, just move on. Anyways, she uh, Rachel's so great that like every time I go into a meeting that she's a part of, I'm an anxious mess because I fail at everything in life. Is all the time is what it feels like. And then Rachel speaks like two words and all of my anxiety is gone. Um, (laughs) She is just great. That's the whole story. Pray for Rachel and her new baby. Not for any bad reasons. Baby's super healthy. Rachel's yes. healthy. Everything's great. Actually, there there is one issue with the baby. The Godfather is kind of a mess. But um, other than that, yes. are you the Godfather? I'm the Godfather. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, then you so better figure out baby's Godfather last name. Too. <laughs> um. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> oh, Rachel loves us so much that she won't even care. So that, that's um, pretty funny. Um, all right, that's yes, great. Okay. Well, uh, Father, um, Father Michael, so good to see you. I love you, you a lot. Love you too. <laughs> can, can you give us a blessing? Lord, bless you and keep you. Cause his face to shine upon you. Have mercy on you. May our Lord give you everything you need. May he give you the wisdom and the maturity to be able to distinguish uh, guilt from shame. May you allow our Lord to protect you. May you allow. Um, those he put in your life to protect you, to cover your nakedness. May you be open to the community that you have and the community that God will provide for you in the future as well. May you also have a zeal to cover up other people's nakedness and their shame. 
May you discern who those are in your life. May you never act as the demons do by revealing or exposing or shaming others. And in all the ways that we have already done that, may we be truly repentant and, and open to our Lord's forgiveness and open to his healing. And that doesn't bring, doesn't bring shame on us, but rather um, just our guilt being forgiven. Um, may our Lord teach you to truly and properly abhor all sin that he may soften your heart, strengthen your heart, lead you closer to him, give you his great gift of grace that brings theosis in union with him and eventually the salvation of your soul. May you be a light to all those in your life as well towards his goodness and his love. May our Lord bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. 